Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Hopefully everybody out there listening had a wonderful Christmas holiday. If you celebrate Christmas or if you don't celebrate Christmas, at least hopefully you had some good time off from your work. That's assuming that you work. Regardless, hopefully you had a great season. 2022, for me at least, was a much better year by far than 2021. I didn't get a chance to enjoy the Christmas holiday like I might have done, and I didn't hear back from friends um, that I normally would have heard back from. That's okay because I know that we we get older, right, and things are different. Many of the friends that would normally reach out and say, you know, Merry Christmas, how's it going, are back when I knew them, you know, their kids were just hitting elementary school. It's been a long time. And so I'm, I'm not salty about it. Simply an observation that I make. One thing that I've committed to doing once I get back comfortable, 2021 was not comfort, ladies and gentlemen. 2022 was a little bit better, but only in the second half. Hopefully 2023, I can hit the ground running, especially if cryptocurrency starts to recover as it appears to be doing. Of course, that assumes we don't get another poof here. But if we get to some level of sanity, in 2023, where I can get back to a calm state, and I have a story about that here in a second, then I do have one commitment, self-made commitment, and that is I am going to reach out to a couple of those folks and just see how they're doing, let them know I'm here. If they need help, I'm here to help them. These are people that I've known for, geez, more than 20 years now, and so I feel just obligated that I should reach out and make sure that they're okay and everything's good with them, and when I get to a position where I can do so, I do plan to offer them a position if they want to work for me so I can kind of keep them going. Of course, I'm not going to go as far as MC Hammer, so you got nothing to worry about in that regard. Now that story, the first endeavor, we had some conversations back and forth. We are trying to rework the contract relationship. So what this would mean is that my point of contact, who is the company that pays me, the one where I said he doesn't pay me like, well, I don't get paid. We're going to try to get him out of the way. This means that we're going to sign a new deal with the client and then switch the contact to a different contact. The contact that I would be switching directly to is actually the, it's the contact for my contact. 
there's a lot of people in the mix of this. So what we'll be doing is cutting out one tier. Now there's pros and cons to this. The upside is that by doing this, it should increase the rate that I'm getting paid by at least $10 an hour. It doesn't sound like much because it's not, but when it when you take in the totality of what I get paid, it's a significant amount of money that I will be getting additional to what I was getting before because I'm 1099. So that, that's a good thing. The downside is I'm going to have to wait five weeks without getting any payment because of lag time between the client and this new contact. So we've talked out the logistics. I have to wait for the client's manager to come back, talk about what this means, figure out all the parts and, and steps we need to do. Then we're going to try to make this thing happen. Once we make that happen, that will get it back on track to where I'm paying very much close to, I mean, it's like very small amount off from my normal rate. So that's a good thing but it means that I'll have to lean on my second endeavor and the amount of money I make there to kind of carry me through. I'm not too much worried about it because I have a lot stacked in the bank right now and I have a lot in cash form and I will have more in cash. I'm, I'm, I'm reacquainting myself with my love of cash. So I'm pulling cash out. So I'll have cash on deck ready. I don't pl plan to pay my current property manager. And there's a reason for this. I'll get to in a second. So with all this, I think I'm in a good spot financially to where I can, I can eat the extra month uh, without any money coming in. I just have to play by ear. This all will probably go down probably about the first, maybe second or third weeks of January. If it does, that means that the month of February is where I won't have any payment at all from the first endeavor, but I am getting money from the second endeavor. The second endeavor is starting to allow me more. It's still a free check in the sense that I'm not really heavily utilized, but they're relying on me more and they pay me the way I want and they pay me the rate I want. Problem is it's taxed, which I, which sucks. So like this year, 2023 coming, I'm going to have to switch my tax deal because of the, how much money I make, which really bites. That's why I'm hoping crypto will come through and shore up the gaps, fill in the holes and keep me going all the way. So now the, the move, right? I got my first email from the property. Now the current property that I'm at, I told on the YouTube channel, these jokers that they had come out and do the landscaping stole my freaking table. And I'm really not happy about it. I filed a police report, did a BBB complaint because I want them to pay attention to what the heck I'm saying. And if they make it good, then we're good. I'll rescind the thing and it's whatever. But ultimately they're accountable for making it right. If they try to bill me for the landscaping service, which they threaten to do, I'm just not going to pay them for the month of January, point blank period. I'll just leave and say, I'm giving you my notice now, deep, deep, and just not pay them. It's like 2000 bucks, 2,100 bucks to be exact. And I was not inclined to pay anything of that nature for longer than I had to. This also includes all the bills. So I'm going to be here certainly for the next two weeks, guaranteed. So I will have to cover a little bit of that expense. The electric bill, I can do that. With the gas bill, I have to pay a month. That's fine. But the gas bill is starting to go up because of cold season, obviously. So I have to figure all that stuff out. But my plan is I don't want to be paying the current property manager because they're a piece of crap. So I can, you know, maximize the money to the new property and get that going. Now there's the winter. We're having a winter event in the place that I'm going. So the email that the new property sent me said something about the package door wasn't locking. Well, that's a problem because, you know, I need my packages to be secured. So I'm already concerned. I'm going to have to set up some sort of a shipping service that can deliver it straight to my door because I'm, I'm interior. I'm not a house anymore. 
So I got to figure this out. Then there's the car that I purchased. The car that I purchased should be delivered to me no later than the second, which is the next Monday. Hopefully that all goes through because if it doesn't, I'll have to make arrangements to take a train where I'm going. I don't mind taking the train, but I'd really like to get the car. I actually bought some accessories and I'm holding off on a bunch of other accessories I like to buy because I want to get the car, have it, test it, run it, make sure I'm good with driving it. It's an SUV. I've never, I've driven SUVs before, but only as rentals or my brothers way back when, when I was a kid, but not as an adult on my own that I've owned. I've never owned one. So I want to get used to it, make sure I'm acclimated to it before I spend too much money tricking it out, quote unquote, as the kids say. Then I have to buy the tires. Then I have to do all this other stuff. So I got a lot on deck, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids over the age of 18. And, you know, I think today's episode, I want to focus it on this issue that just came up that at least came to my attention recently. So this may or may not be relevant to you. This is going to be most relevant to people who use Trust Wallet. If you use it or you plan to use it, this is mostly for you. If you don't use Trust Wallet, no problem, but I think it may come your way at some point. So it may be beneficial for you to hear what I what I see and remember. And if you're new, by the way, welcome. I am a certified cryptocurrency auditor and I'm looking at it from that lens of the analysis that's being done here compared to what I see of the same projects. Let's jump right into that right now. I'm going to make the assumption that everybody out there basically doesn't know anything about Avenger Dow. If you do know Avenger Dow, perhaps you're in the Dow and you are a voter holder. I'm great. This may or may not be exciting news for you, but Avenger Dow was started up and it's a, it's a group of different entities, including the Binance chain itself, but also Certic and others that have contributed people. And they've come together and they've created this DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization, meaning that it does not have a central authority. It's basically the community and they vote on different things. But Avenger DAO's whole, I'll say mission, quote unquote, is that they want to try to minimize and possibly eliminate the amount of scams and the amount of shady projects that there are on the Binance Smart Chain. This is only around the Binance Smart Chain that I do this coverage. As a trust wallet user myself, I happened to notice a new banner show up when I did a, a transaction I've always done. I've done this for months with the same entity, which is Thorium Exchange, Thorium Capital. And I happened to notice this banner and that caught me off guard because I'd never seen the banner before. And I'm going to call out the banner. This is trust wallet. I'm going to call out the source of the banner, which is trust wallet by way of Avenger DAO, meaning Avenger DAO is providing data. And Trust Wallet is making a statement based on the data. And I'm going to call out my favorite tool, which is marketmove.ai. And it should be yours too, because I think as I talk this through, it's crystal clear that what somebody was trying to do, and it's very early and very raw, but the downside is because of the way the banner appears in Trust Wallet, it's going to cause a lot of people to be skittish and even further hurt sentiment in cryptocurrency for those that use Trust Wallet. So a little background. Trust Wallet is actually owned by Binance. Binance developed it. It actually is called, was called the Binance Wallet. And then they spun off Binance Wallet into Trust Wallet. Trust Wallet stands alone. It is still owned by Binance. Binance Wallet's a different thing. We're talking about Trust Wallet specifically. With Trust Wallet, you can pretty much transact any single crypto that you can think of. 
However, it does not support every network. Only very recently did they support the ability to add custom networks. No problem. But you can still store coins from the various networks, including Terra Luna Classic, Arbitrum, right? You can still store the coins. You just can't transact on their networks. You can transact on other ones, but not certain ones. So I've been using Trust Wallet for a while. I switched away from Coinbase Wallet ages ago because Coinbase Wallet is crap. I heard it's gotten a little bit better, but I still don't trust it. I also was using Atomic Wallet. I think highly of Atomic Wallet. I just think their interface is garbage. So I've been using Trust Wallet very frequently, and I'm used to it, and I know its behavior and know how to predict it. So all of a sudden, I do a transaction on Thorium Capital, and it comes up with a flag. It says High Risk Address. And when you click on it, it tells you, essentially, this address could steal all your money. Now, this caught me off guard because I've never seen this. And then if you know the Thorium Capital, Thorium Exchange, it's the same devs as Libero, same devs as Epic Hero, same devs as Multiverse Capital. None of those projects had that banner. So now I'm questioning, okay, what the heck's going on? Why is it only Thorium? But I simply reported it on social media because I wanted people to be aware this is what's being reported. When I dug further, I saw other projects like Kiba, which used to be Kiba Inu. It got flagged as a medium risk. Okay, that's strange. I looked at Kiba a while ago. I covered it on the podcast. I believe that was before YouTube. And I didn't see any major issues with Kiba. This is before I became a certified cryptocurrency auditor, mind you. But I didn't see any major issues with the code or any of this. And I looked at a couple of other ones with this Avenger Dow scanner that they have. And I'm starting to see weird results. And I think I know why. And I'm, that's what I'm going to be going through today is the results I see and what I think as in my opinion, what I think they're trying to do and why I think it's terribly dangerous because it misrepresents what actually might be the case. Now, that doesn't say that it is or isn't a problem. Certainly, some of these are problematic. I'm only resonating with the statement that Trust Wallet's making, which is that you got to steal your money, do, do, do. Okay, so just to bear it, I'm only resonating with what Trust Wallet is stating based on what Avenger DAO is putting out there. So Avenger DAO's tool gives a risk score when you run a contract from zero to five. Of course, the highest is the lowest risk or yeah, lowest risk. And then the lower you go, goes to a high risk. And they measure it based on a set of criteria that they're evaluating from the contract itself. They don't really know. There's two different sources that play into this. They don't really know if the data that they see is truly problematic, that somebody has programmed it to say these things are a problem. I'm not here to say whether they are or are not definitively scams. I'm here to simply talk about the things that they called out because I felt as though there's a little bit of bias in some of the return results because of the way that this is run, presumably. So the first thing I wanted to do is try to quantify why the Thorium, when you do a transaction through the Thorium Exchange, Thorium Capital, came back high risk. So I took the token contract address for Thorium V3, which is the primary token used on Thorium Capital. When you do a liquidity pool through Thorium, it is through BuySwap, but it uses the Thorium V3 token. So surely if the Thorium Capital Exchange app is having a problem, I should see the same problem on the Thorium V3 token. It's my theory. Of course, when I ran it through the tool, for whatever frick and reason, the tool came back and said that the Thorium token, I'm talking the token itself only, is low risk. Okay. 
That's interesting. So then I went and looked through the different snippets of code that returned here. And I think the problem, and then I cross-referenced it with market move, by the way. I think the problem and the reason why they consider this low risk and why I think their tool is a little bit half-baked, the Thorium V3 contract is actually a proxy contract. A proxy contract, for those that don't know and didn't hear my explanation before, means that parts of the code are not in the main code file. So they're abstracted. You can link to them and a human can iterate and go find them. And if you program it correctly, you should be able to find all this stuff. But most scanners only go one level deep. So they're, they're not seeing all of the different functions and methods, et cetera. So them saying low risk, I think that's a problem because every other tool calls out proxy contracts as pretty high risk because they can't read the rest of the code. Whereas a vendor DAO calls this a low risk, I would consider it a high risk. Now I'm thinking, okay, so it's possible that the high risk that they flagged when you're going through the Thorium Capital transaction is simply because they were able to read the code and they find that there's fees because there are fees and they're pretty high in some cases and they're variable. There also is the, what they call the short circuit, which basically makes it to where people can't just dump off the project. There's all these different things that Thorium has built in now in V3 to prevent people from completely trashing it. Libero had the same thing though. Libero was reported perfectly fine. Now the plot thickens. Now I don't know what the heck is going on because I'm not seeing consistent returns in the behavior. Like if you're going to, like literally from a code perspective, Thorium V3 and the Thorium Exchange, Thorium Capital, and then Libero, it's the same devs and they put the same structure in place in both. They have the same fee structure, essentially. One is a little bit higher than the other, but the structure is essentially the same. They have the same short circuit. They have the same fees when you sell. They're virtually a template of one another with the only exception being that Thorium itself does not have a reflection mechanic. I'm pretty sure it does not. It doesn't have rebasing. It doesn't have reflection. It's just a token. And it's deflationary, hyperdeflationary. Whereas Libero has the rebasing and it has a reflection off to the side. But other than that, they're pretty much a virtually identical template with different variables. So I would expect that if you're going to flag one as low, the other should be low and vice versa. If one is medium, you should flag the other medium. Now I want to dig a little deeper because I want to try to understand what is it that they're causing out as a flag. <laughs> so I ran Boda with my Boda Schlinger, Boda V2. I covered them on the YouTube and on the podcast a while ago. When I evaluated Boda, of course, I was not a crypto auditor, but I did look at the code and I did look at the white paper and the web and everything else. They had pretty clean tokenomics, really good tokenomics. The only thing I had an issue with them, it seemed like nobody knew their project. It seemed like their marketing sucked. It seemed like they weren't getting the word out. And there were a couple of things I didn't like in terms of the rewards. Other than that, tokenomics wise, I was perfectly fine with it. With Boda V2, they Avenger Dow flags it as a medium risk. And I'm like, okay, something's weird here. So I read the return result on Boda V2. They're returning more results, presumably because it's not a proxy contract. It's a straight up contract. All right. So now I can parse this dude and try to understand what is it that you guys are squawking at with this business? The main thing I can see, and there's a couple of them, I'm going to go through all of them, but the main things I can see have to do with control over the ability to transact. And it looks like Avenger DAO, whoever programmed it, is making an assumption that when you have certain things that can be changed, it uh, almost, not often, but almost always results in some sort of a honeypot situation. 
So for example, if I have a selfie, right? And the selfie is 100%. A selfie of 100% essentially means you get nothing for selling. It won't stop you from selling, but you won't get anything, okay? Or I can stop sales. I can pause the contract within a function in the contract. That's essentially a honeypot because if I pause the ability to sell, as an example, you buy in, you can't get out of it, right? That's another one. So there's all these things that it looks like the person who programmed this Avenger Dow scanner just said, these things that I see to me, de uh, developer, mean that they're honeypot risks functionally. And I'm going to treat those as higher risk than other things. So when I looked at Boda's return set, like thing, there's a flag that says is honeypot and they say, no, it's not, but there's a pausable. So that means you can pause transactions. Well, if you can pause transactions, it's essentially equivalent to a honeypot. Okay. So why then is Avenger DAO not treating pausable with the same level of concern as is honeypot? Meaning that if your is honeypot says false, and your pausable says true, you got a problem there because whoever programmed it doesn't equate the same level of severity to pausing as they do honeypot. And I think that's a problem. Same with the modify fee. There's a statement in the return that says, quote, the contract transaction fee is modifiable if it's increased dramatically, users may encounter honeypot rug pull risks, but yet you don't, you don't scale that with the is punny honeypot flag. So you got flags where you pass it, basically saying this is not a problem. And then you got flags where you fail it, even though this flag over here essentially is the same thing as this risk over here. Okay, now I'm thinking eh, something's weird here. The only real way I could know, though, is to go with the, the worst possible candidate I could think of. I had to find a contract that I knew should absolutely fail this scanner. And if it failed the scanner, I know the scanner is good. If it didn't fail the scanner, I know the scanner is crap, or at least whoever programmed it didn't know what the F they were doing. So I turned to the one contract, the one contract I knew. It's like this has to fail. There's no way this can pass. It's got to fail. That contract is Seifu, courtesy of the car salesman, because we know the Seifu contract has, by design, tokenomics that are designed to mitigate sales, as in sell taxes, as in anti-wealth things, as in rebasing. They have all sorts of things that if you're going to call out these mechanics as risky, I would expect you to absolutely flag Seifu more than hardly most anything else. And I would expect you to look at something like a Seifu and say, this is a problem. This is what we got. Da, 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 da. Okay, so I ran Seifu. Seifu, ladies and gentlemen, came back as low risk. It came back as low risk. Now, there's a couple of things that have changed in Seifu's contract since the last time I saw it, and the Avenger DAO calls these out. No problem, but I think that Avenger DAO is not, I think they're giving a free pass to certain things that I believe are concerns, and there's things that are their concerns, but they're not major concerns, and yet they're calling them out with a higher risk score than I might think. Because if you take them together, and this is the problem with technology trying to make these decisions. It's like you take these two factors together and together they create a risk. So why do you not care kind of thing? Whereas over here, just in a bu bubble, you look at this one and then all of a sudden you're making an assumption that it's got to be a high risk thing, whether it is or not, or it's only a risk if this other thing is X, Y, Z. Let me talk through what I'm saying. Cause I know that's a lot to follow. 
And I'm going to use car salesman's contract to try to talk this out because again, it largely most everybody else, other contracts, I wouldn't expect anything more than, you know, greater than a medium. Like I would say medium pretty much across the board. I would not flag a lot of these high. I might flag a medium simply because of the fee changes, et cetera. I wouldn't flag them high. So with this one, right? Blacklist function was one. This is Seifu. Blacklist function. Quote, the contract contains a blacklist that may lead to some addresses not being able to trade. Yes, that's true. I called that out in my video. So, all right. So you got a blacklist going on. But in addition to the blacklist, the owner address is the zero-based address, which means, should mean, that it's renounced, fully renounced. I didn't see a function to be able to reclaim the ownership, at least not that I could see. I didn't see one. So if it's truly renounced, as it shows, and you cannot reclaim it, that should lower the risk, certainly, and it negates the whole blacklist situation, assuming there's no existing addresses in there that are blacklisted that, you know, like if you pre-populate, let's say there's 100,000 holders, you pre-populate all but your buddies, obviously that's a risk. You wouldn't know that, though, unless a human were looking at it and sees, okay, this is what this joker did. So then there's a whitelist function. And it says the whitelist function, there is a whitelist function. Yes, there is. I call that out in the video as well. The whitelist function is a risk if there's entries in there that don't correlate to a system wallet. Meaning that, again, if you just added your buddies to the whitelist, that's a problem. You wouldn't, a tool can't know that. The tool can't know that these are actually problematic addresses. Only a human can. The presence of a whitelist is actually not a problem if the whitelist was only used for the actual system wallets, like liquidity pools, exchanges, etc. The other thing with this is that if you have a renounced contract and you have a whitelist, it means that you're not going to be able to whitelist the exchanges that you want to get on going forward. Now, the plan I know with this was to eventually get away from Seifu and start looking at the Seifu X. So I don't know if that's going forward. Again, a tool can't know that all that was happening. A tool can't know that that was going to be a thing. So it can't know whether it is or isn't a problem. Is I think it's an issue myself. Is honeypot is false, okay? In blacklist is false, okay? A sell tax of 16% is not considered a problem here, but it's considered a problem on, on Thorium's, at least their exchange, their, their tool, okay? And then the total supply, the total supply that's being reported is 61 million for this. However, if you look at CoinMarketCap, it has a total supply that's well over 3 billion, I believe it is. So now, and we're talking total supply, not current or circulating. We're talking total. If the total supply is wrong somewhere, I'm inclined to think that CoinMarketCap has the correct data. I could be wrong, but I'm inclined to think that's the case, which means it's not 61 million in total supply. The reason I say this, I ran the BSC scan against Seifu for the top 100 holders. It's a graph. And what it says is that, quote, the top 100 holders collectively own, and to be fair, one of these is the dead wallet, 70%. But it says the top 100 holders collectively own 85% of Seifu if it's true that there's a total supply of 61 million. BSC Scan seems to think that it's 61 million. CoinMarketCap seems to think it's over 3 billion. There's no way to know which is the right number. The point is, if it's true that it's only 61 million, that means that pretty much the vast majority of tokens, 70% of the tokens was sent to the dead wallet and yet it's under a dollar. Something's not adding up somewhere. 
And I would consider that a risk because chances are the number's wrong because you wouldn't have a price that damn low with that much in circulation. It's not possible. Based on the market cap and everything else, something's weird. Chances are the total supply is wrong. What they're reporting is a circulating supply, not the total supply. If it's a circulating supply, they'd have to consider total supply in the mix as well. And that would create a risk because you have so much excess, basically inflation. And I think that's a risk in my opinion. LP holder count, which is the liquidity, 48. I would consider that a concern. Are we saying that we don't care if there's a lot of liquidity? Maybe we don't. I'm saying that that's usually a problem. And then is mentals false? They resolve function mint. But the point is you're reporting Seifu as a low risk when it's got these fees, just like Thorium. You're, and Thorium you had low. Okay, so it's not the fee that you care about. It's renounced, and maybe that's the only reason that you have it low, because Thorium's is not renounced, but yet you have Thorium low. Like, my point, folks, is the what Avenger Dow is saying doesn't make any sense, and it's not consistent between projects with the same tokenomics. It doesn't make any sense. And then with Boda, there's no reason to have Boda lower than the other two. Boda doesn't do much of anything that's really... If I had to pick a project that I did trust more of the three I just named, Boda is certainly higher on that list. Boda actively told people to go to ever revoke and remove any permissions to a wallet. It, I think whoever programmed this Avenger DAO has some sort of an agenda around certain tokenomics and they programmed this tool to flag certain things as risks that frankly are not really risks when taken on face value. You got to look at the whole big picture, the developer team, the sentiment of social media, are they going after shillers? Is it a risky leader, you know, like the cult leader or the car salesman's, right? You got to go after, and these are human factors. You can't program those. My bigger issue though, is that the data that Avenger Dow returns does not make any conclusion. Trust Wallet is taking the same data I'm looking at and it's throwing a banner that makes the reader think that each one of these projects are just going to steal your money. And that's not true. The ones I looked at, just connecting your wallet is not going to steal your money. What's probably happening is they see that it's high risk coming from Avenger DAO and Trust Wallet on their own is making an affirmative statement, even though they tried to do, do a cover your ass with a, you need to do, you know, could, right? Quality. But I'm saying that you can't just do that. You're going to harm investor sentiment. People don't know. They don't know what to trust. And if you're just saying every freaking project out there is sketchy that's on the Binance Smart Chain, you're defeating the whole purpose of what you were built for Avenger DAO, which is you should find the right projects to flag. The right projects to flag are the ones that you know for a fact are truly risks. And some of that can only be known by a human taking a look at it. But the other thing is, if you see a project over here that is renounced, let's say it's renounced, and it's got a whitelist, it's got a blacklist and all that stuff, you have to scan how many entries are in the whitelist, how many entries are in the blacklist. When you talk about owner balance, if the owner balance is a zero-based wallet, sure, I expect the owner balance to be zero, but if, the, if you're saying that 70% of the tokens are in the dead wallet, but yet the price is going down, I consider that a flag and there's something else going on. You don't know what that something else is, but the point is that the data itself is telling you a different story than what your risk scanner is telling us. And I blame Trust Wallet for putting a statement, affirmative statement out there when they can't make that statement, even in even with a quantitative statement. You can't say, well, it might steal your money, unless 
you see a specific flag that says, we have the right to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to access this, da, 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 or that your tool makes a connect request and you see that it's requesting access that it's not supposed to have. Most tokens, most dApps have to have a level of access when they're connecting a certain way. If you're going from PancakeSwap, it's less of a risk than something else. So if I do a transaction from PancakeSwap, doesn't mean I can't get ripped off, certainly, but it's less of a concern. And with many of these projects, if they're on BuySwap, you're not seeing the liquidity. So are you flagging it medium because it's on PancakeSwap or are you flagging it low because it's on BuySwap and you can't see that there's a problem? You see what I mean? So I'm simply saying for those out there listening, and I know it's a lot of information, I'm simply saying, if you use Trust Wallet and you see that banner when you go to transact, I'm not telling you what to do because I can't because I don't know what the project is. I will say, if it's a project that's been around for a while, and there's been projects out there that have been around for a while, like SafeEarn, EarnHub, right, that crapped, they completely died, but it wasn't malicious, they just failed. If, if somebody was going to rip you off, right, I'm talking straight ripoffs. I'm not talking the virtual ripoff like Satama. I'm talking a real ripoff. If they're going to rip you off, they're going to work hard. And I say this as a former auditor. They're not going to spin their wheels for two years, right? I don't have any belief that Everrise, as an example, is going to rip me off. Yet if you go to Ever Revoke and you try to revoke some of these, you get that banner. Not because of Ever Revoke itself, but because it sees a contract address where it's making these statements behind the scenes that this contract must be scamming, even though Ever Revoke's call is harmless. That's the whole point of it. That's my point is I think it's misleading people the way Trust Wallet is presenting it. And I don't know why Avenger Dow doesn't have a little bit more in the presentation to tell Trust Wallet, if you're going to partner with them, great. Tell Trust Wallet, don't tell people that it is or isn't going to do whatever. Just call out the flags, call them out and simplify the verbiage. So for example, say this contract has a fee of XYZ. This contract, like you're not making a statement, they're going to rip you off. You're saying this contract has a fee of 30%. Then let the person decide, am I willing to pay 30% on this garbage or not? I, I just feel like Trust Wallet is misrepresenting the true state of the problem and the call, call to action for the viewer where they should simply give the data in a simplified form and let them make their own decision rather than them leaping to a conclusion based on, because the tool Avenger does not make that statement. It doesn't make any sort of outcome. That means it's got to become a Trust Wallet. And I don't agree with that because we're no longer getting, we're no longer descent if we've got trust wallet itself trying to make decisions for the trader. I don't agree with it. And I'll just say straight up, if it doesn't stop or they don't see it fixed, it may be time for me to search out a different wallet because I don't want a so-called quote descent wallet making these statements about my own investments and choices, especially when they're projects that I know for a fact are not going to take the money but they may have a fee that I've been okay with because I understand the reason for the fee and they've communicated it in some form that I was acceptable to. So if Trust Wallet and any of them are listening, I'm calling you out for making a statement, affirmative statement that you don't have the right to make. And I think you're doing a disservice to many projects. I understand what Avenger Dow is trying to do, but you're going to have the opposite effect and you're going to harm investor sentiment in the Binance Smart Chain by doing this and drive them away from your wallet. Now, if you don't want them in your wallet, that's fine. I'll just recommend people to Alpha Wallet and we'll call it a day. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form. The link's at the very top. 
We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors, the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.